0: Welcome to iTrepreneur, the podcast for wizards of eyes. I'm Dr. Raymond Brill with my co-host... Harry Brill, and we're here to bring you
1: stories about wizards of eyes. Yes, what is a wizard, Dr.
0: Brill? These are folks that you may have heard about, may not have heard about. These are people who are actually... Very successful in doing what they do in all aspects of eye care.
1: We're not talking to self-proclaimed industry geniuses, experts, masters, or gurus, because we're talking to wizards of eyes that make it happen each
0: and every day. They are out there working every day in the labs, on the road, in the practices, in surgery suites, making lenses,
1: making frames. Yes, we want to hear these back-of-the-house stories about innovation entrepreneurship
0: and make you feel excited to do what you do we want you to be energized about the whole eye care field and this is not your big optical program this is done out of the passion of our hearts please go ahead and subscribe
1: to itrepreneur the podcast for wizards of eyes on itunes stitcher podbean or your favorite app also visit itrepreneur.com Dot .com where you'll find our latest blogs and special video content. That's com A hey, quick little advertisement here, your favorite, I know. Do you ever struggle looking up vision plans? I know how it goes. I've worked in a practice for many years. And patient calls in, they're like, I have vision insurance. And you're like, okay, do you know who it is? Nope, I don't know. Don't you know? So I actually have a tool I'm going to be offering you. It can search any vision plans website, but all on one website. So if you want to learn how to find out what vision plan a patient has without hardly knowing any of their details, go to my link in the show notes, click on the vision plans link, And I'm going to recommend a tool for you that literally you go to one website, it searches all the vision plan websites at once. You get all the information you need and it's super, super easy. It even brings up all the family members that share the same vision plan. Not only does it do that, but it actually takes the vision plan info and puts it into the same format for every vision plan so it's not confusing. Go to the link in the show notes to view it. All right, Dr. Pham,
2: you're on, you're live. All right, well, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Burrow. Thank you, Perry, for allowing me the chance to talk about dry eye and a little bit about Zocular. Um, So let's get started on on Zocular. What is it and how do we use it? All right, so why should we use Zocular here? So this is what uh, this uh, brief presentation is gonna be about here. You know, we see patients in the clinic all the time there. And, you know, most of the time as we're going through school, we're always learning about, oh, which drug works, which one don't right? But when it comes to tr- treatment, there is more than just how effective a drug is right. It goes back to what we learned back in school, and it's not what the drug reps tell us right. And they give us a bunch of studies that shows clinical effectiveness. But beyond the clinical effectiveness, there is actually a few other puzzles that need to be solved before you can actually get rid of the problem that a patient came to see us for. The first one, of course, is is that treatment or medication you're using effective right? If it's not effective, then obviously everything else falls apart. But even if it were effective, there's a few other things, right? How easy is it to comply to this medication? If it's five times a day, it's obviously going to be hard to get treatment success than if it were one time a day. This is why Lumigan and prostaglandins do a lot better than the uh, ACE inhibitors. So that's the compliance issue. And then there's at least two other things that we need to consider, and that's the cost. And in this country, that's a huge barrier for patients, especially those patients who don't have insurance or who don't have the right insurance because just because they have insurance, that doesn't mean that the insurance actually covers it, right? And that's where a lot of us get caught in this whole rigmarole every day of staff time and cost associated with getting prior authorization for any sort of medication we want to try. And not only does it take... The staff time, it also costs the patients a lot of time and, and frustration because even though they get authorization to go to pharmacy and the pharmacist says, oh, by the way, you still can't have it because of this or that reason in their uh, insurance um, program. And then the last issue, of course, is a side effect. Even if it works well, if it causes diarrhea all day or constant headache or bleeding, Right, then this treatment that we want to do obviously is going to be a whole lot less effective than if it didn't do any of that. And so these are the four pieces of the puzzle that we always have to consider uh, whether it goes for dry eye, glaucoma, or any other treatment we apply in the clinic. And as far as dry eye, you know, as we, we know in the DO study, there's this separation between the evaporative dry eye and the aqueous deficiency dry eye. But if you really think about it, Uh, It's really interesting because when you go through the do's, even though there's this separation at the beginning where you have to stratify the the two columns of aqueous deficiency or evaporative, at the end of the day, by the time you figure it out, the treatment uh, protocols are all the same no matter what it is. And so I think that gets back to the main crux of the problem, which is that dry eye is mainly an inflammatory problem. And because it's an inflammatory problem, the treatment for it is very, very tough. And the reason for that is quite simple. It's because despite us being the 21st century, treatment options for inflammation control is rather limited. You know, there's just some broad categories for inflammation control. Beyond that, we have nothing else, even now to this very day. There's the broad category of of steroids. Our favorite, of course, is the prednisone and durazoles of the world. Then we have the NSAIDs, right? Um, whether you're talking about Ketorolac or Rufathenac or any other the And then a lot of us are now using the antibiotics uh, secondary effect as the anti-inflammatory, whether it's the macrolide class or the tetracycline class of antibiotics. At low dosage, there seems to be quite a bit of anti-inflammatory effect. And as a side note, the reason that the azithromycin uh, from a pharmacokinetic standpoint works at very low dosing is the fact that the azithromycin actually is an intracellularly uh, deposited drug. So when you take it, most of it doesn't end up in the serum like doxycycline does. It actually gets in, inside the cell. And this is why azithromycin, when it was first introduced, works well for intracellular organisms like listeria, which are inside the cell, rather than outside the cell, like the staphylococcus. And so because it's an intracellular organism, uh, intracellularly deposited. And it takes a long time for it to leach out of the cell. And so that's why you can take one dosing, it will last for a week. Take three, and it'll last for a month. And so that's the, why the azithromycin uh, the acts the way it does. But the other uh, sideline that we all have to be mindful of is that what would happen in Scandinavia back decades ago was the fact that if you overuse it, even though it may not happen to a particular patient we use it on, on a population statistical basis, you will get antibiotic resistance. And so that's one issue we always have to keep in mind if we're overusing antibiotics there. It's not that the fact that the patient we use it on is going to get antibiotic resistant. It's that everyone else around the community is going to get it. And statistically, it's going to increase over time. And then as we just saw in the poll there, cyclosporin and lefintigraph are quite popular because they both are anti-inflammatory agents. And of course, the, we have something called the steroid-sparing agents of the world, like the Plaquenil, the methotrexate, and the cyclophosphamide. It's a very uh, innocuous-sounding name, but it actually has some of the worst side effects on Earth. So we, it's never used in eye care, per se. And so the bottom line is inflammation control is still in the Stone Age, even to this day here. And this is why we have such difficulty solving so many problems, not, uh, not just dry itself. And the third issue with any treatment um, that we have for dry eye is the time course required, right? No matter what we do in clinic and the patient's already frustrated, they've probably been seeing three to five doctors already before they come to see us, right? And they've already been tried on everything else. And then we we tell Ms. Jones, you know what? I understand your frustration. Try this, uh, but you're going to have to wait another day or another week or another two months. They, they're kind of leery of your suggestion because they've already tried it and it's failed. And so this is the second problem we run into for dry eye treatment is the fact that anything we do takes too long for the patient. It's that instant gratification that humans always crave and we lack that in dry eye for the most part. Of course, the, the exception being the numbing medication that lasts for about 20 minutes or so. And so this is why the ocular platform here provides a really novel way to solve a lot of the common core problems we have with, uh, with dry eye, whether it's the immediacy of action, the compliance, the cost, and the side effects. Meaning that if you use ocular, especially if you use the ZEST procedure, the clinical effect is within minutes. They don't have to wait five days or five months to see the improvement in the dry eye. And there was actually a study uh, done by Dr. Shack that was published on Arvo uh, last year where he took patients with moderate to severe dry eye. And the baseline dry eye score, speed score, was 11.3, which, of course, uh, with speed is in the severe range. And he performed zest on them, which is an eyelid debridement using the zest procedure there. And after treatment, it went from 11 on the speed score to less than one. And that's really a remarkable uh, the difference in dry eye uh, relief there.
0: Was that on the same day
2: or war period? Uh, yeah, so that was the same day. And so here's another study, a um, longer-term study um, out of the, the um, University of uh, San Antonio, uh, Rosenberg School of Optometry by Dr. Narayan and his colleagues there. And so they took 30 patients um, with the enrollment criteria of moderate, uh, at least moderate dry eye, and a positive MMP9 level, and they only did one Zest treatment in the office. That's it, nothing more. There was no follow-up treatment or home treatment with artificial tears, warm compress, cyclosporine, or any other treatment. Only Zest was performed, and they took baseline MMP9, which still has to be positive, baseline OSDI score, baseline contact lens score, and baseline contact word time. And then they redid it after a month. And what they discovered is that in over half of the patients with uh, the positive MP9, it disappeared. The OSDI score improved substantially after one month, and so did the contact lens score. And the, wear time, the contact wear time increased by about 50%. And this was with just one intervention of Zest with no other treatment. And so this is, provides further proof that there is both a subjective an objective improvement with u- using the zocular system here. And all the results were clin- uh, statistically significant, of course. What the end on that study? Yeah, there were 30, uh, 30 patients, about 60 eyes. Was there any control at all? or um, this, was a, this was an interventional study. Okay. Yeah. And so why is that that uh, a poly- polysacchar would do such an effect? You know, that's one thing that everyone... Uh, just looks at me and stares and goes, huh, okra, what the heck is okra and why would it work, right? And that's because in this country, we're fixated on what I would call um, Western type of uh, treatment process where you know there's always this mechanism of action, usually in singular form, right? We wanna know what is the mechanism of action or what are, and what are the mechanism of action. And the reason for that is really quite simple. It's because our ability to analyze complex biological system is really basic. It's almost a stone age in a way because anything more complex than this, we have no statistical or computing way to find out whether this set of chemical or this drug or this one molecule actually works. But nature, of course, is a whole lot more complex than just trying to find that silver bullet that attacks one cascade of a really complex biological system. And then this is where polysaccharides, I think, play a huge role here. And why is that? It's because if you think about it, almost every cascade that occurs through at interaction uh, on the cellular level at the cell membrane. And of course, cell membranes have numerous glycoproteins. And I, I use the term glycoproteins because it's not just proteins. And most drugs generally target proteins, right? That's most biologics are protein-based uh, attacks on other proteins. But there is a reason why polysaccharides have been attached to most proteins on the cell surface. And, nature, and evolution didn't just stick polysaccharides and, on proteins for nothing. And that's, the, and that's the reason for that is because it does have a role in modulating cellular response. And the interesting thing about polysaccharides is the fact that most of these glycoproteins aren't like these huge multi uh molecules of proteins which extend from 20 to 500 kilodaltons. right? Polysaccharides are usually smaller link molecules. And so one set of activated polysaccharides can, in theory, interact with multiple uh, glycoproteins on the cell surface, which affords the opportunity to modulate a host of different glycoproteins without really shutting down any one of them. And I think this is where you have to be lucky to find that sweet spot where it has that clinical effect without the profound side effects that you that we find with a lot of drugs, right? With warfarin, when you're basically... Blockading this cascade for clotting, right? That just ruins everything because now you have a huge bleeding problem and that's really hard to stop. And so, this is why I think polysaccharides will play an increasing role in dry eye and a whole host of other things. And it's not, you know, this is not a novel uh, concept here. If you actually look through PubMed and type in polysaccharide and anti inflammation, you actually get about 12, 13,000 journal articles on inflammation control. If you use the same PubMed search term and type in steroids and anti-inflammation, you only get about nine, 10,000 articles. So there's actually a whole world of research on polysaccharide out there that's just been untouched. And there are a few other companies out there that also has a polysaccharide base. One of them is um, trehalose. Trehalose is um, a small sugar molecule. It's a disaccharide of uh, basically two uh, glucose molecules. Uh, in an alpha glycosidic linkage, and it works very well. It works better than most artificial tears because it is another polysaccharide, and it's made by Thea, and it's only available in in Europe and and Canada. So how would you use this? This is uh, a before and after treatment with the Zest procedure, and as we know, styes, acutely inflamed styes and chalazin is an inflammatory disorder. It's not an infection for the most part. Certainly you can get a super infection on it, but in almost all cases, these uh, acutely inflamed hordiolums, whether it's external or internal hordeolums, is an inflammatory process. If you can control that inflammatory process, you can actually bring out remarkable relief. And as part of this inflammation, a lot of it is triggered by the, the bacterial load, the biofilm around the la- lashes, and also by uh, blockade of the meibomian gland. The minute you have blockade anywhere in the body, whether you're talking about your colon or you're talking about my myeloma gland, your parotid or your appendix, there's instant inflammation. This is why my myeloma gland disease is always uh, associated with different levels of obstruction. And then here's another example. Um, this one actually just came to see me uh, literally about two days ago where I got a call from the ER about a patient who presented with severe eye pain and they were concerned about shingles. And so I just told him to come see me at the office. And what this patient had was basically a episcleritis. He was in severe pain because this temporal sclerum there was quite tender. And so I basically applied some Zaki shield and within five minutes you can see a remarkable shift in the amount of uh, the redness on the injection as well as the pain level. You can literally, indent the sclera now over that area and there was no pain and this usually lasts for many hours with the ZocuShield.
0: You mentioned uh, some of the products and but I just want to outlay everyone's fear. We're going to go over those in detail and what the Zest procedure is and how to use ZocuShield and ZocuFoam and wipes and all that stuff. Right. So don't worry about that yet.
2: Yes and so, this is just another study showing that there is also an uh, anti-Demodex effect, which we discuss uh, more at the interactive uh, question and answer here. Um, this is a, a kill study, uh, basically, a null hypothesis study showing that there is an de- anti-Demodex effect with the Zoclip platform here. And you can see that clinically, if you start using Zocular, that the, the Demodex actually improves quite a bit uh, with using any of the Zoclip products. Um, and then, We also have done some acne studies showing that MGD is really acne in the lid margin. So if you can get rid of acne in the lid margin, you should be able to get rid of acne anywhere else. And this is a study demonstrating that uh, with uh, our products, you can see that there's a remarkable improvement in both the non-inflammatory comedones and the inflammatory papules and pustules associated with acne there. This is an eight-week study using just with our acne wipe and our Zaki foam here. And, of course, if you, once you do incorporate, and this is what Perry and um, Ramers were alluding to here, there is quite a bit of potential to increase revenue, not only to improve the patient's clinical status, but because they're improving so much, there's all, this instant referral and instant revenue source where if you do Zest, you can, see, you can really plot the revenue potential there at just three Zest a week versus 12 Zest a week there. And once you start using Zest there, you, it actually ramps up rather quickly there. And then when you do Zest, or when you start using Zocular, you also have to send them home with some sort of maintenance at-home therapy for Zocular. And this here is uh, basically modeling a low, medium, and high volume of Zocular in-office sale. What you'll find once you start selling Zocular in the office is actually the high retention rate of patients actually coming back to the office about every two months or so To buy more this despite has one of the highest retention rate of any product out there because it it does work well and i i don't say that because i i made a product but i think you'll find that in your practice as well and we do back up everything we sell with a money back guarantee and so you can see here this is at the low we're assuming just 10 uh zaki foam a month five zaki shield a month and five zaki wipe a month and then at the high you're looking at about 60 35 and 30 of Zaki Foam, Zaki Shoe Gel, and Zaki Wipe, respectively. And the blue bar here is actually just assume that you only get 50% retention. There's still quite a bit of revenue potential, even at 50% retention of the patients. So let's say instead of patients come back every two months, they only come back every four months, or only half the patients came back every two months. It's really simple with Zocular. For mild processes, you can just use any one of our products. If it's more moderate to severe, use two. It's that simple. Mild, one, moderate to severe. Use two at first until it improves. Then you can go back to one. And it really doesn't really matter which one. And I'll just do a little bit of a a side talk about the importance of licking that tear flow for dry eye. Because if you think about it, we always want to suppress inflammation, but uh, with therapies, mainly pharmacologic therapy, but there's another way to get rid of inflammation, and, and, and that's why nature gave us tear ducts. It has to drain somewhere. Everything we make, all those proteins, lipids, fatty acids, bacteria, dirt, it's got to go somewhere. It does not evaporate like, like water. The only place it can go is either it overflows over our lids, it gets accumulated on our lids, or it goes through our tear system, through this lacrimal sac. And it's surprising the amount of patients who actually have silent lacrimal stenosis obstruction. And the main problem is not the obstruction itself, but actually the sac itself is acting as a septic tank, meaning that the flow in there is very minuscule and it's basically just a a septic tank where it's accumulating all the dirt bacteria that then gets backwashed into the tear film again. And so, if you just take about literally 20 seconds of your time to irrigate, here it is. You don't need to dilate. Just go straight in with the 25 gauge cannula, find that punctum, go in, and that's it. And then, and this is a 3 cc syringe here, and then just press down, irrigate the entire 3 cc through the duct. And the way you can tell whether there is a significant lacrimal problem is ask them how badly does that salt, that saline solution taste. If they say it tastes like crap, then it's a horrible uh, tear flow. In the, uh, literally. It, a lot of patients, you'll be so shocked at the number of patients who would tell you that literally tastes like crap. The ones that don't usually are fine, but it's a really high percentage. I would say 70-80%. If you do this, they would tell you that it tastes horrible. The worst taste they've ever had in their life. Wow. So
0: that's because you're your flushing the waste products? Yes.
2: Yeah, so you're, you're flushing basically the waste product from the tear sack. And it goes straight down their their throat and their mouth. Wow. you tell them that in advance? Yes, I always tell that in advance. And I don't have them lean forward because I want them to taste it so they can tell me, so I can get a clinical status. If you lean them forward, it'll go through their nose, right? But you don't want that. You want them to tell you how bad it tastes because then it gives you a clinical picture. Hey, Dr. Pham,
1: uh, Candy Moeller wants to know, where do you buy supplies to do irrigation?
2: So you can just uh, buy it online. I just look up a Shahinian cannula. So let me write down the uh, Shahinian. So what I use is called a Shahinian cannula. And it's a like 25 gauge. And that, that's a blunt tip. I prefer this rather than the, there's there's probably at least a dozen or two dozen types of, of lacmo cannulas out there. Some of them are super long. Some of them have the, the, the tips uh, that are open at the, at the top, some have um, the side port. There's just numerous, and some of them are curved. I like just the straight one that's fairly short. It just gives you more control. You can probably buy that on Amazon. Uh, you cannot buy on Amazon. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to buy it uh, off. Uh, type it into Google. That's why I usually find it. Okay.
0: <laughs> so, and these are are they a throwaway or do you autoclave it?
2: These are, those are metal. They also have some disposable one that they sell in a 10-pack, but I, I always use metal because I just, uh, I, I clean it and then I put it in an autoclave and reuse it. How do you clean it? Um, I, after, so with saline, you got to clean out the saline. Otherwise, the salt starts to deposit inside and it's completely stuck, especially with a 25-gauge cannula.
0: You're just putting like pack saline in there? Or uh,
2: no, you got to avoid it. saline. You got to just flush distilled it with water. Uh, distilled water.
0: Just the water.
2: Yeah, and so after you flush the distilled water, then you flush it again with just air just to clean it out, and then you throw it into the autoclave. That's the best way to clean it. Throw away the uh, syringes? Oh, you always have to throw away the syringe. The syringe is definitely th- possible. Okay. And that you can get off Amazon.
0: What type of syringe?
2: Um, it's a 3cc syringe. So don't use a 5 and don't use a 1 because most the the ones uh, is not the ones that you can screw on. The 1 is... Is the one that is held in by compression. And if you start using a one, and you get uh, an occlusion on, on the uh, duct, what happens is that there's a tendency for you to keep pushing. And when you keep pushing, you start shooting that uh, metal cannula straight into the periosteum, and they will not like you. <laughs> that would be the most intense pain of their life.
0: <laughs> so it's 3cc three, th- three screw-on syringe.
2: Right. Yeah, so it's the 3cc syringe with a um, um, 25-gauge Shahinian cannula.
0: Perfect. Thanks for the detail Uh, on
2: that. uh, This
1: one's from Lee Plowman. He's in Australia. Hey, Lee. Um, How easily does zest penetrate bacterial biofilms?
2: It does it really well. um, Once you use it there, you'll see that the entire lid margin looks pristine. And it will take off almost, uh, basically take off all the Demodex colorets, too.
1: Okay. Yeah. How about um, Scott Chamberlain? How long do you leave zest on before irrigation?
2: We're talking about the, the zest procedure here, right? Yes. Yeah, so with the zest procedure, you just do the zest procedure with each lid already clean. Then you rinse the, the gel off. There's no need to wait an extra five minutes or ten minutes. Just after you get done cleaning the lid, then just rinse it off with the saline.
1: Okay. Candy Muller wants to know, does it sting?
2: Uh, it does not. Uh, now, certainly... Uh, take. Certainly patients with a lot of dry eye, anything will sting. But with the zest procedure, even if it does sting, it goes away within about 10, 15 seconds. Okay. Yeah.
0: What about people, you sometimes get people that have lid excoriation, you know, at the temporal canthus here, or if they have bleeding lids. I mean, do it on that too?
2: Yeah. With those, you just got to be really careful there. Um, you can still do it there, but the, over that area, though, you want to be a, a little bit less, a little more gentle than you ordinarily would. But those would actually would be one of uh, the better candidates for zest procedure because you really don't want to do anything too abrasive on them.
0: Yeah.
2: Right, and you really got to get rid of all that biofilm around that area as well. Um, next question: Vin Dang, is the ingredient gel in Zest
1: ZocuShield?
2: Yes, so the ingredients are very similar. The gel in the zest pod goes through a different uh, production process, so it has different uh, physiologic, uh, rheologic uh, properties. And so it's not quite the same.
1: Okay. I'm just curious, where where is
2: this manufactured, your, your products? So everything we make is in the U.S. Yeah, so, that, so the entire solution inside the product is all U.S. made. We don't you do any. contract
0: manufacturer. You're not. You're not doing it in the back of your office or anything.
2: No. <laughs> so all our manufacturers are FDA, GMC, uh, uh, GMCP certified. Um, yeah, they're really good at what they do. Okay.
1: Um, someone asked if you have studies. Are you able to email studies?
2: Yes. Yeah, so okay. the study that I referenced with Dr. Naryan, um, that was a posted presentation done at the AA. Oh, and um, he is actually putting together a manuscript for it right now. And so that uh, manuscript is, is uh, I'm not sure if he submitted already or not, but it should be out hopefully in the near future.
1: Hey, quick advertisement here. Yes. We're talking about medical plan eligibility and verification. I know this is a major pain point in a lot of practices, patient comes in, they hand you their insurance card, and now you got to look it up and you potentially don't know where to start. Do you go to Blue Cross's website? Do you go to Medicare? Do you call them? Do you have to wait for a fax? I have an easy tool for you, and it's really an online portal and allowing an outsourced team to pull up all the medical plan benefits for your patients ahead of time. Imagine you had all the benefits for all your patients a week ahead of time, simply with one click by exporting your schedule on your EHR to a company who handles all your medical plan, eligibility, and verification. Stop paying staff members to do this. Let someone help you. Collect your deductibles up front. Have accurate co-pays and know when someone comes in if a service is going to be accepted or denied via CPT code verification go to the link in the show notes and I will link you up with the correct vendor for your EHR yes EHR specific how they can help you with this so you do the zest procedure but you also have other wipes and stuff people can do at home talking about correct. what other products you have
2: yes so we have uh, three products in total here um so this we have, I,
0: use, I don't know where I should show so we
2: have, This is the Zaki
0: Shio syringe here. And it's That's really cool. pretty in the packaging.
2: <laughs> yeah, the so it comes made, in a syringe uh,
0: form. Design, design the packaging, it's gorgeous.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, my wife designed all the packaging on this.
0: I shouldn't, probably shouldn't say this, but my, um, my wife looked at it and said, that oh, looks like a tampon applicator. And I thought, oh, I have no idea. <laughs>
2: So, So this is the the gel here. This is probably the most effective product for patients with moderate to severe dry eye here. And so, the way you use it is that you don't want to basically push down all the way on the plunger. You only want to have one drop. So, there's one drop. Okay, I'm not sure everyone can see it because it's quite small on on a webinar here. But with this one drop, you want to tell the patients It's like eyeliners. Um, You know, women are very natural at this because they do it every day. The the gentleman, you got to really explain it to them because you got to tell them, open the eye, take that one drop with the eyes open, apply it right across the lash margin like an eyeliner, like that. Then you're done. Then you blink a few times and that will get to the upper lid, okay? And then you close the lids, scrub back and forth along the lash margin for about 10 seconds there. And then any residual you want to basically massage around the skin until it's almost dry. And then that's it. Now there may be like five, uh, 10, 15 seconds of mild burning stinging, and then it gets better pretty quickly there. And the other thing you have to uh, tell the patients with the gel is that they they shouldn't expect to see any sort of dry relief for at least five, probably 15, 20 minutes. But once it kicks in, the effect actually increases over time. So after three hours, it actually would feel better than the first hour. After five hours, it actually feels better than the first than the third hour. And so this is the actual cool thing about success is that there's an increasing effect from it the longer it's on there.
0: There's some analgesic properties of the
2: Yes, there's also, and the analgesic property is actually part of the, what I believe to be an inflammatory process, right? Because that's how NSAIDs work, right? NSAIDs has, has no anesthetic property. It has an intent, it, the only reason it gets rid of your uh, tendonitis is because it re- de- decreases the inflammation on the tendonitis, not the fact that it blocks the sodium channel blockers on the nerve endings. Uh, okay, you want
0: to tell us about uh, Shalazians? Okay, or Shalazia, because, um, you know, I think people don't like to have their lids cut. And when we're heating them, sometimes they're just really resistant, especially in our MGD patients. So how do you treat a chalazion with, uh, with Zocular?
2: Right, yes. Yeah, so um, if it's acutely inflamed, most of them are. The ones i have been there for six months and it's just a knot, yeah. those you usually do have to cut into uh, if they really want to get rid of it. But the ones that are acutely inflamed, I, you know, I, I was a lot more aggressive with surgery before. Now these days, I hardly uh, perform surgery on uh with at the zocular platform now. So usually I would make sure that the glands aren't that obstructed. If they are, they may benefit from some and probing after you calm down the lids a little bit. You don't want to be poking in these hot and inflamed lids there. So the first thing I usually do is often the zest treatment, and then once they have undergone zest, you can they usually will feel better. It won't, you know, be a hundred percent better, but usually they will they feel relief from that inflammation there. And then I would send them home usually with at least two products. I usually send them home with the gel, always with the gel, and then either the foam or the wipe. If they like convenience, I give them the wipe. If they like more of just using it in the shower, I usually give them the foam because they most people just put in the shower and
0: how would you integrate this with the uh, IPL treatment?
2: So, um, you know, with almost any in-office procedure, whether we're talking lipoflow i um, or IPL there, I think that everyone benefits from a lid agreement and especially with a zest procedure. So I usually have them do zest before any sort of in-office treatment with Lipiflo or IPL. And then afterwards there are, um, it's, especially when you're doing lipid flow, right? Usually, they, a lot of patients will actually feel a bit worse after lipid flow because there's so much uh, gland, uh, loss of the glands there, that, you know, they squeezed out there. Mm. And they feel kind of dry a lot of times. And that's why a lot of people start patients post lipoflow on a little FML or steroids, to try to get them through that hump for the first week right. or two. Um, but if you actually use Zakisho gel, it works just as well to get them through that, that kind of dryness sensation there. So that and then that's what I would do. Zest first, followed by at least the gel, and if it's moderate severe, add another foam or wipe to it.
0: Okay, so instead of doing manual debridement with a debreeder or uh, AB Max or um Blef-X, they could just do the zest. Correct. Yes. Okay. So yeah. Do it first. Yeah.
2: Well,
0: that's the key to having any of those treatments work. You got to really. Um, kind of clean up the lid first, right you know, and, and make it so the glands can be op- can be opened up
2: right, exactly, and it, and it goes back to that instant gratification there, right? If they can feel that there's already been improvement, they're going to be a whole lot more compliant usually. If they came out of the office feeling worse and going, "Man, why should I take this extra thing that they just gave me if, if I'm mm-hmm. not feeling better already?
0: Right, and you recommend six month intervals six right. months for routine maintenance exactly. Um, that would work with, usually after we're done with a series of four IPL treatments, we'll have them come back for a maintenance treatment every six months. So, right. Okay. Well, I, well, looks like Dr. Pham put together a couple of kits here and um, we're going to continue to answer
1: questions, but we're going to just get into the sales part in case anybody's antsy. So you have two starter kits, right? You want to explain what's in these starter kits?
2: Yeah. So we have uh, basically, a, uh, like you said, the, the light and the pro kit there. So with the light kit, you have half a dozen of our foam, which is right here. And uh, half a dozen of our gel, shio syringe gel. And we also uh, will provide uh, three of the zest kits. So actually, if you just do three of the zest kits, everything else becomes free because um, it basically pays for itself. And then for people who want to be more involved uh, in Zocular, we have the Procure. Version, which is basically a dozen of each of our products the Zaki foam 12, Zaki wipe a dozen of, a dozen of the zest kits, and a dozen of the Zaki shield syringe there. And so this is almost like this is basically like a 30% savings off of regular price there. So you're actually getting a substantial discount. And the extra number of zest really helps with the revenue flow in the practice as well. It and it gets see. patients a whole lot better.
0: Is there kind of a suggested range? I know we don't discuss fees, but for a ZEST procedure? Yeah.
2: So, you know, if people are, are doing BluffX or AB max, it's usually whatever is being charged for that, right? But you, uh, obviously, you can't charge $10 or $50, right? It's usually the range I would think is between $1 to $300 is usually the range I've, I've heard uh, out in the real world. Okay. I would say mine is usually somewhere in between there.
0: Um, so so you got to look the, the cost of the kit. Right? Yes.
2: Yeah, so yeah. So the cost of the kit on. ordinarily is about $27. $27.
0: Okay.
2: Yes. Um, which is probably uh, significantly uh, less than even like, I think the BluffX chips these days, I believe.
0: Yeah. So you have some costs involved. You're not going to have too much competition, right? No. It's a tremendous benefit to the patient. So try not to undercharge too much on it. You know, right, you yeah. there's value here. There's, your intellectual property from learning all this system there's dr fam as a resource to you um and it's it's going to really it's going to work well so i know as optometrists we want to charge as little as possible because somebody and then somebody else says i'll charge even less and i'll charge even less until there's no interest because nobody's making any profit so right but i would stay in that i would stay in that range or in the middle of that range and i think you should be fine yeah so,
2: People yeah, I think it's important work. to remember it's actually our skills and our knowledge that we're offering there. It's actually not uh, this tip or that tip. It's actually what are we doing to help the patients feel better? And right. if they can feel that, they will pay for it. Yeah.
1: So if, if people are looking to buy this, um, we have the these um, light and pro kits on the itrepreneur website that Dr. Pham put the specials together. I'll put the link in the chat. These will ship directly from, from Dr. Pham. It's free shipping and you'll make an roi on this as soon as you implement it in the practice it, it read, doesn't take,
0: take read ask it, let's say just at the lower end 150 dollars. you buy that 450 i mean all the rest of the stuff is free and you're gonna make some money on that now do you have the suggested pricing somewhere that um if they buy it you'll tell them that
2: yeah yeah it's also on a website as well uh, the msrp is also on a the, uh, website there and I think the other thing that is important to remember, too, is that with any of the purchase here, I think uh, we, we do have, for all Zoculip products, a 100% guarantee for satisfaction, meaning that if you buy the pro kit or you buy the, the light uh, kit there, and you, if it doesn't work for your practice for whatever reason, even if you use all of it, we don't care. We will refund the entire purchase price.
0: So... Okay. I, know, I want to get, get... There was a couple of questions that we missed over. I think uh, Elaine... your a friend from Canada here, who who gets tree trihalos all the time. He gets like, the truck pulls up to his office. And And, um, so he had a question about the saline. He can't hardly even use a whole syringe in in there. People kind of choke on it.
2: Uh, No, you you just have to make sure you prepare them. You got to tell them there's going to be a lot of fluid going down your throat. Uh, The worst thing that happens is that they'll cough. But it's not that much, actually. They'll, they'll just accumulate in the back of their throat. You tell them to lean back. There's some fluid coming down, just accumulate it like you're drinking, and then swallow the whole thing.
0: Now, there's an, another question I have because I think we need to debunk some of the things about tea tree oil. I was listening to one of the Intrepid Society uh, program from uh, a scientist, David Sullivan, mm-hmm. and he said, Why would anybody ever use tea tree oil? It's very inflammatory, it's very pro inflammatory because we've got a number of Uh, tea tree oil commercialized products out there now so do they need to use tea tree oil for anything anymore
2: yeah i think there's probably still a role for tea tree oil unless you alluded to the, the problem with tea tree oil is the most products out there are don't have the purified version and with tea tree oil there's literally a dozen to five dozen components inside the tea tree oil that we really don't know the okay, I think,
0: so you can't get like pure fortripinium, though, can you?
2: Or you could. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Claridex has the, mm-hmm. the, the, the some of the more pure forms there, but uh, you know, even to, for, but with any molecule, there's really no pure molecule per se, right? There's always going to be a little bit of some ramicization of these molecules and a few other side products there. But regardless, there, you know. T trail, I think it's going to be less and less used just because of the reasons you stated earlier there, um, and there's going to be more and more products available for Demedex there.
0: And David here. Sullivan is a PhD. He was one of the key people in um, in the TFOs, right? Uh, and in the and the dues dues uh, won in 2017. So I think when you, you could say that on authority that that podcast or that webinar should be available somewhere. You can right. Follow- and it was very, very eye opening, so to speak, to us about that. So, so they could just use the docular products, and it makes it easy, even though you have a, a few products there. If it's severe, use two products. If you, it's, it's mild, use one.
2: Right,
1: exactly. Is so, you- that I- Dr. Pham, um,
2: Albert wants to know can you ship it to Canada? Um, no, um, our distributor in Canada is, la- is the optician, so they would be the one who would be handling all of the sales in Canada. Say that again. Laptician—that's our distributor in Canada, and so they would be—they would handle all the sales in Canada. Okay. Yeah. So um, we don't have any uh, sales in Canada from Zaki Mar- in the U.S.
1: Mariana wants to know: How does this compare to BLEFX? Is the ingredient in the foam itself more effective than the BLEFX device?
2: Um, well, the, the BluffX device never works just alone, right? There's always going to have—it always has to be paired with some sort of cleaning uh, a product there. And so, um, a lot of people use either Zaki foam, some people use Zaki shield with BluffX, which is fine. And you know, the, the BluffX works great. There's nothing wrong with BluffX. Baby Max Pi works even better because uh, it, has, it has the pulse mode. It goes forward and back. And just from that backward rotation, you basically double the cleaning power because now it's coming down or diagonal to the surface, it goes that way, there's another rotation. And so, if anything, that works even better from a a uh, cleaning standpoint.
1: Okay. Um, next question from Michelle, Michelle Till. Would this be an alternative treatment to try this before Lipoflow for those patients that want to spend their money on more important things?
2: Um, I think it all depends what on the clinical status of the patient. There certainly, if they have a lot of obstruction and you, and it's not complete there. Um, and there's, a, there's a, a lot of stasis there, I think there's a role for lipid flow here. And so I think it really depends on the cl- uh, clinical side of it. Um, and so certainly if you're gonna do lipid flow, I, I think Zest will come in very handy along with zaki shu. But I, I wouldn't say that this could be in lieu or something like that, unless it's a, a clinical. Uh, They're Complementary. They're yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. Yes. Hey,
0: it's not one, Bril, one or the other.
1: Dr. Brill, um, I want to talk about selling products in the office. I know a lot of times we just tell our patients, hey, go online, go to CVS, you can purchase it there. Talk to us about why you should be stocking products.
0: Stocking them? Stocking,
1: stocking. stocking any products in our own offices for sale.
0: You know, a lot of the people that are doing this are, I would say, are a little older folks. And and when you're providing this, you they don't have to start traveling to CVS or you know, Walmart or any other place. So you should have them right there. And they say, because usually the question is, well, where do I get that? So we have it right at the front desk. We'll put a package together for you. So they they want convenience. They don't want to mess it up because they can certainly mess it up. And I I think it's just a convenience factor for them. Now, there's going to be someone that says, well, I'm going to buy it on Amazon. I don't care if your price is lower or not. I'm buying it on Amazon, right? Because we all have those patients. They want to buy their contacts, even though you got the lowest possible price. And you show them on the computer and you have a coupon and you have them in stock. There's still people that say, I don't care. I'm, I'm not going to buy it here. I'm going to go somewhere else and buy it. They just, it's interesting because it, purchases are emotional like that. But I think that people want to know they can trust you for all, for all of that and just stock them, you know? So you're going to make money on it too. Now tell us about why, uh, I mean, why do you have it on Amazon?
2: Yeah, so. To your point there, Raymond, there, you know, the other important thing to stock in the office too is from a compliance issue. The minute they leave the office, the chance of compliance goes way, way down if, they, if they're forced to remember to go to CVS, to go to Amazon, to buy anything. Um, and so we do have just one product on Amazon for, for the eye, that would be our uh, Zaki Wipe. And we put it there basically as a price reference point for I patients see. to see. Um, uh, but almost all our sales go through the doctors. And all we, right. We, so- We've got another poll up, and I want to
1: first thank you, Kyle Klute. Uh He's the first person that bought, so thank you, Kyle. You're a winner. <laughs> um, you're you're not supporting uh, me buying my first home. You're you're just supporting your patients. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Dr. Brill. We we sell we sell eye uh, vitamins, uh, zeaxanthin and lutein. All the eye promise products we sell. Brooder mask. We sell, um, nighttime sleeping aids to prevent, uh, the ice seals, seals, a lot of the echo products. Yeah. We, we, sell, sell uh, masks four. Four. We, we sell so much what we call bogus stuff. It's really not bogus. Not bogus. By, <laughs> the of, by the end of the month, it adds up into five or $10,000 in sales.
0: Yeah. And I'm always surprised when like, okay, we, you know, people, want, and usually, I mean, uh, so the Zaki shield will last two months. The uh, wipes will probably last what? There's like 20 in there, right?
2: There's 30. So it lasts
0: for a month. 20, whole month. Yeah. Now you find people are cutting them or anything like that? A
2: lot of people are cutting. I, oh. I, I saw one that cuts into, cut into four pieces. Okay. <laughs> four pieces? Four pieces. That's what it is. So it's actually an Amazon return. Oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> okay. So. They so got a one
1: star review too, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Okay. Yeah, and I, I know some people will put like a pinpoint of toothpaste on their toothbrush and some people do double strike, right? So I think for the most part, you can't worry about the people that don't get things from you. You have it there. They count on you. Uh, some people want to come every month and it just gets them out of their house. And it's nice to have a social visit, even, even in COVID here. Uh, but a lot of them, you know, will, will trust you. And that's something that makes you different. And anything that makes us different is good. So, because they know we're, we're, if they start shopping around, calling other practices, they're going to say, well, what? <laughs> was, you know, they won't have any idea, idea what it is. Now, at right. some point, they, they may all know what it is. And then optometrists being optometrists, they're going to lower it to like 50 cents over cost right. and, then, and then complain, I'm not making any money on it.
2: You know, so. Yeah. So, I uh, just uh, uh, emphasize one, just from my personal clinical experience here, not uh, uh, speaking for the company per se here. but uh, I think from a- Personal clinical experience, what's been really remarkable for me is the ability to really solve a lot of patients who come in with acute eye pain from ocular surface problem. Um, And, you know, just today I I saw probably like two, at least three patients today that came in with ocular surface pain, whether it's from a uh, superior limbic keratitis or episcleritis, or they just have just severe uh, dry eye. The minute I I just apply the gel in the eye, Within about five minutes, I usually leave the room. I say, uh, uh, all right, I'm putting to a gel. I'm going to leave the room. I'll come back in about five minutes. Um, and then it's remarkable the, uh, the effect that the patients feel afterwards. They, they re- they're very grateful that they came. And I think that really makes all the difference in treating patients there. It's, it's just that instant improvement in the office there. The other clinical... Um, I will also offer too, is that when you're first using the gel in the office to try to get patients to feel better from whatever aqua surface issue they're coming in for that's irritating or causing discomfort there, um, a lot of times you put it on, they're going, ah, oh, I still feel something. What you need to do is take some saline, wash off the lids a little bit. Chances are when you're first using it, you're, it's probably a little bit too much being applied and it is, it's, it's thin and sticky because it's gunky there. So if you do that, Just just apply, it. wait about 30, 40 seconds, and then rinse the whole area off, and then leave the room, and And then then come back mm -hmm. after five minutes.
0: Now, let me ask you this, because we all have patients who, they have got a dry eye, and then, so I generally, during it, I don't do a dry eye workup during our general exam time. You know, I say, that's medical, we'll bring you back. So I have allocated the proper amount of time to do a dry eye analysis, but they're not ready to... To pull a trigger on on, I would say an advanced treatment, because those cost a little bit more money. And sure. um, so would you recommend at that visit going ahead, let's say, well, let's do a zest treatment now and at least get you on the way, or would you reserve that for just prior to an advanced treatment? Because what I, we're always afraid of, and i is that let's say if I say, you know, let's put you on a steroid, man, they're gonna feel better and they're gonna say, I'm done. I'm I feel right because you you don't want to do um uh, to mislead them about that because they still may have obstruction or the ro- or the rosacea um so do you, wh- what do you suggest practice management wise leave it for later or if they say no I have no money I have no money at all you know how about we um do the zest procedure at least it'll get you going later. right
2: yeah i mean they came in the office complaining of dry eye I will always offer it. Now, certainly if money is an issue, then that could be worked out uh, with them uh, or at a later time. But at least you're offering them a solution. I I think that it's better for them to know than to say, oh, let's just wait. And they're going, hmm, why did he wait on me? What is there that he's going to wait on? I'm already suffering. Why why is there a wait? If they know about it, right? It's just like every patient that, that comes and I go, oh, by the way, you have a cataract, just to let you know, not that you need to operate on it. But don't be surprised if another person says you have a cataract because it's there. I didn't miss it, right? And so.
0: So so at that point, you have to determine, okay, are they going to wait like for a year or two years to get something done? Exactly. Or a matter of a month. Now, if it's a matter of a month, you wouldn't have to redo it prior to your procedure, though, would you?
2: Right, yeah. The other thing I will always do is that, especially patients that come come in, they've already been on five, six medications there and it's often overlooked. Is the fact that you got to flush that tear duct. If you don't flush that tear duct, is uh, it's, you're going to keep throwing more drugs on there. And chances are they've been on five drugs and it doesn't work. That there's a tear flow uh, problem.
0: You know, I had a patient that I t- spoke with you about. She has she's a corneal neuralgia patient. She's seen everybody. Uh, she keeps coming back to me. She went to to the local uh, university. Uh, they said everything we're doing perfect. I said okay, I'm going to I'm going to irrigate her. Uh, her nasolacrimal duct, and she says, "I've had a, both, all four
2: permanently sealed." Of course, she had a bifra. You said I could just poke it through. I don't. You can sometimes. It depends on what it looks like. You, you usually, I'm you can see a tiny indentation. Me? You can see a tiny indentation. You can poke through, but you want to numb that up first, though.
0: <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So do that with the cannula.
2: You can. Yes, I've done it before.
0: Otherwise, uh, yeah, they could surgically open that. Otherwise,
2: uh, you can always take a little Westcott and, and snip it and then cut through. Oh, okay. Dr. Pham, what are your recommendations um, in the practice? Does this need to be perf- the Zest procedure? Does it have to be performed by a doctor or could a tech do it? Yeah, that's the beauty of Zest is the fact that almost anyone can do it. It's very easy to learn. It doesn't take 10 hours of instruction. Uh, you're literally just looking at a video and just practicing it. Uh, on, on, on the staff with each other just once is really all you need. Okay. Are you personally, will you hop on a call with the staff and, and train everybody? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think we, we actually have uh, a call probably next week with an office that I'll be uh, helping to train.
0: Now, do you give any certificate, any like certificate? Yes, we
2: do have a Zest certificate too oh, okay. that we send Perfect. out after we train. Okay. I have, we got
1: like eight more questions. I want to burn through these. So Okay, you know, sure. Uh, how long does Zaki
2: foam last? Same as Suzaki Shield Gel, it's about two to three months. Wow, that's a value. Yeah, it, yeah, it lasts a long time. I've had patients come in and say in the last six months, but I think these are the same ones that cut the things in, tw- in squares.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so all of these can be used on general dry eye, MgD, Rosacea, skies,
0: Diminax. Right. So I'm gonna ask about uh, buying it at CVS or Walgreens or?
2: It's not sold at any of the, of the uh, chains.
0: Okay, so you want to remember as a, as a doctor, as a provider, you want to buy this wholesale. You don't want to buy it retail. Right. <laughs> okay, so the pricing, the individual products is wholesale through Dr. Pham. It's retail if you're buying it on
2: Amazon. Correct. Yeah, and only the, only the, the wipe is on Amazon. Only the wipes on Amazon. Yeah. Okay.
1: And you have it in stock. It'll ship out like next day, right?
2: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, you make
1: your kids do that.
2: <laughs> That's right. They're down there right now. <laughs> no, <laughs> like
0: like, uh, like Van Dang, like Dang does it with his cute kids. It's I a Vietnamese nice thing, right?
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> cool. um, Rosianna wants to know, do either the foam or wipe remove eye makeup or should these products be used after eye makeup is removed? That's good. It,
2: it will take out uh, makeup very, very well. It's probably one of the best makeup remover out there.
0: Okay.
1: Oh, okay. There you go. Is Kathleen Brassfield is Zaki
2: Shield recommended twice a day? At first, um, yes, I would always use that twice a day in the morning and at night. Okay. Um, After makeup removal and before makeup uh, placement.
1: All right, um, Vin Dang, how long do you use Zaki Shield for dim index versus regular Staff Bleph?
2: So they have both staff demodex there. Um, if it's a lot of crusting and a lot of colorets there, you're looking at at least a few months for well, almost any treatment here, unless you want to uh, you know, uh, do other more aggressive uh, weekly debridement. Okay. Yeah. Um,
1: um, I think the last one we have is from Elaine. How do you explain the killing effect on demodex with zocular products? What's the theory behind it?
2: Um, so I, I, there's, uh, one of them is the fact that, you know, if you look at most of these thermodex, they're always uh, surrounded by colorettes, right? And I think that basically acts as a shelter, basically. It's basically it's an igloo or it impedes anything coming into it, and it, it gives it a nice home for it to roost in, basically, for, forever. And so if you're able to remove just that collarette and our formulation is able to remove it very well, you can basically destroy its habitat. That is one way. And then the zocular itself also has certain components um, inside that is also toxic to demodex there. So so the um, uh, okra extract ingredients is also toxic to demodex.
0: What else is in there other than the okra? Because I don't want people to start boiling okra. and. and,
2: uh, (laughs) The biggest problem with any polysaccharide is getting it to activate, meaning that it has to be able to interact uh, with other... Uh, uh, polysaccharides there Um, and a lot of it is literally just um, mixing things until you get that uh, serendipity most of the time Um, because I you know getting it uh, there's no formulaic method for you to say okay you do this this and that it will work and so not
0: the okra itself I'm sorry there's not the okra itself.
2: Yeah, yeah, so, so
0: people, do we we don't recommend, hey, go to-
2: No, you don't want to go out to your garden and, and pluck an okra and start sneering on your eye. <laughs> okay.
0: Or Augustus fried chicken and get okra, right? Right.
2: Yes. <laughs>
0: okay, but, um, all right, so we just, you know, there's always people going to find some way around it, right? Yes. Some way around, okay, so, all right, great, uh, so I don't know, people are wanting those kits or what? what?
1: Well, they'll 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 be on the website. I'll
0: put it here one more time. Okay. Um, it'll so be able- I, I, truth be told, I bought it at the sh- at a show, and then I kind of let it sit around because it was too complicated for me to figure out. So that was one of the reasons I wanted to have Doctor Pham on here. He tell oh, next month, oh maybe in three months, maybe this. <laughs> so. We finally corralled him, and he, he's so much fun to just talk to. Okay, because have you ever met a nicer ophthalmologist? I and mean, usually uh, we're spoken down to or mistreated, but. Uh so Dr. Pham, is the, he's the real deal. He is a dry eye guru. He you know he really knows his stuff. Um he did a, a sophisticated lecture involving calculus, right? In the uh, everything dry eye.
2: Right. Yeah, we were modeling how the how the tier system uh, works there.
0: So if you want to really know you you could gotta look back look at that. Uh but I've kind of forgotten most of my most of my calculus now. So but anyway, if you have questions about calculus, Dr. Pham, uh Dr. Fam will know all that, too.
1: Final <laughs> wow, words about dry eye. What can we take away today and implement in the practice tomorrow? What, what do we need to do?
2: Um, so uh, get uh, one-hour starter packs, and I think you, your t- patients will uh, appreciate their uh, instant improvement once you start using it that day. I think that's the take-home message. It's not the only platform out there where you can help the patients that day. Instantly and dramatically,
0: even on a chilazon patient. Yeah, when you how long do you suggest they use it on a chilazon patient before?
2: You know, Shalazians usually calm down within three to uh, ten days. You still have them heated? Um, you know, with Chalesian it's it's a chronic problem, and so obviously they can decrease on the intensity of treatment there, but unless the. There, there's some sort of miracle cure there. They're always going to be a higher risk of uh, getting recurrences but just because it's an MGD related process. But if
0: it's active, do you want it to heat it or not?
2: Yeah, so if it's active, heat, heat it a little bit, calm down the inflammation. Within three to seven, 10 days, it usually gets better even without the doxycycline on board. Okay, oral gastrocycline. Yeah. And I usually use doxycycline, one of the macrolides or tetracyclines. I avoid. So the strong antibiotics, um, I, I, I see people being put on Augmentin and Keflex and some of these other, well, know, I think antibiotics. it's a preceptor.
0: How about if you think it's preceptal? Wouldn't you use Augmentin for that or not?
2: Um, you know, well, things that look preceptal are mainly inflammatory. I, I hardly use antibiotics these days unless it looks really bad. Okay. Yeah. Right.
1: So thanks, Dr. Fam, for uh, this awesome webinar. I think we need to have a round two because this is,
2: we're not getting through everything. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Also I would love to be a part of round two. We
0: get all the products. It's going to seem confusing, but it, it won't be that confusing. If you maybe replay this webinar or just, just ask for help on it. So
1: thank you to the 36 people that have stuck around. I know um, it's just hard to get through this stuff in, in an hour. Um, so if you're interested in continuing the conversation on dry eye, um, I put our, we have a Facebook group with 1600 people. Um, The beauty, I think, of a small Facebook group is that we want to put together go-getters and and true leaders, and we have a really interactive Facebook group um, where myself and Dr. Brill and a bunch of other loyal people here actually contribute, and that's what's important. We want to talk about business and actual.
0: Yeah, it's not a political one. Uh, Keep that for that other big site. Uh, This is really to help other people succeed. It's not connect competitive, it's it's collaborative. And that's what I like about uh, the the whole dry eye, people that are doctors that are involved in that, they're very collaborative, don't you think, Dr. Pham?
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. That's collaborative,
0: man, and 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 it should be in every locale, it should be collaborative, because I, I think a lot of doctors are so tired of dry eye, because everything's damn diabetes and dry eye. But, and for the people that hate it, just identify and say, look, if there's going to be someone in your area that has a passion for it, so if they have a passion for it, just say, I'm going to refer it to this doctor. You have a passion for it. And you'll still get credit for the referral. You'll get your patient back. And, and you're going to be the hero because they're not going to necessarily credit the person that did it. They'll, they'll say, wow, my doctor referred me to the best guy and I'm all, I'm all set. So like your dentist. Right. Exactly. You do have a problem referring in general. So, yeah. but uh, op- Ophthalmologists and optometrists are, are pretty bad about re- referring to people that specialize in something a little bit more than they do.
1: I have one um, Dora. I hope you don't mind me sharing your um, comment and I do not know how to pronounce your last name. So I'm not going to try Atomopolis. it. There you go. Dr. Brill, do you want to read that rating uh, review? I think oh, it's. Let's see.
0: Dr. Fam, I purchased your product at the dry Camp in Richmond right up right before COVID hit. And we are looking forward to jumpstarting using it again. <laughs> Definitely a lot of material to review. so All my docs feel comfortable with the line of product. So I look forward to the replay. Oh, thanks, Dr. Berlin and Perry. You always host great webinars. Not at all. Oh, great webinars. Not at all. Woohoo! I don't know what that last beard means. So, <laughs> so uh, well, we have fans out there, Perry, even though we don't know it. So <laughs> that's well, awesome. We have fans and fams. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Fama is going to be very famous, yeah. he has. Other, I would say he's got some other very interesting. Uh, products or systems in, in the eye care space? Oh, dry-eye family. <laughs> I like that.) <laughs> um, but, but look forward to Dr. Fram's other products or presentations. We won't get into them right now, but he has some very interesting uh, modalities for us, so yeah. right. <laughs> OK.
1: Cool. All right. Thanks everybody, and we'll see you uh, uh, on Thursday next week. And we're going to talk about how to collect more money in the office. So awesome.
2: All right. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye bye.
1: This brings us to the end of another episode of Itrepreneur, the podcast for Wizards of Eyes. Go ahead and click over to our website, itrepreneur.com, or head over to Facebook to join our special Facebook group, Itrepreneur. See you there.